Have you ever ran into some guy says, I want to invest in you, man. I want to help you get to the top. Or someone that says, I want to help you get in shape. I'm going to help you lose those extra pounds. I'm going to help you heal. I'm going to help you get rid of that diabetes. I'm going to help you clean your house. I want to help you get your life together. And all you say is, what's your angle, dog? <laughs> it's like, why? What's in it for you? What do you want? And you should be asking that. I would be asking that too. I was like, why? Who are you? What, what, do you, what, do you, what kind of game are you playing here? You want to help me get to the top? Why? How much money is this going to cost me? You want to help me clean my house? Why? Do you want to see where I live so you can rob me later? You want to help me get healed? Why? Are you promoting your own brand of vitamins and supplements? You want to make me into a poster child? And you're right to have all of those questions in mind because you don't know and you should suspect the stranger. The problem is when you come to God with that same attitude and you ask him, why do you want to help me? Why would you, God, the creator of all things, perfect and holy, want to help me, a little speck of mud, to invest so much in me, to help clean me up, to fix my heart, fix my soul, fix my mind, help me think right, help me get over my heartaches, heal my body, teach me how to live properly, how to eat properly, how to take care of myself properly, how to manage my interpersonal relationships properly, how to handle my finances properly. Why would you want to invest in me? What's in it for you? And the answer is actually very simple. You. That's what's in it for him. You. God simply wants you. So you go back to that person that wants to help you. You go, what's in it for you? He says, well, nothing. I just, I want to help you because I love you. Now, coming from a stranger, you might be a little wary and kind of slowly back away <laughs> and run. <laughs> but if it's somebody you know, if it's your husband, if it's your brother, if it's your father that wants to help you, well, they just love you. And out of their love for you, they want to help you grow. They want to help you overcome. They want to help you get your life together. What's in it for them? You. They love you. And when you succeed, they succeed. Because they have a relationship with you. They love you. And they want to see the people they love succeed. Filled with joy. Healthy. Is that really so hard to understand? What is in it for God? Well, nothing except you. He just loves you. So he wants you to grow. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to overcome your trauma because he loves you. He wants you in his life. He doesn't want to see you suffer. He wants to help you so that you could be filled with his joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy that is holy and pure and innocent, without blemish, without guilt, without a speck of selfishness and sin and hate and anything evil. God is good, completely good. Not like you say, oh man, that, that sandwich was good. Oh man, that movie was good. No, it wasn't. Only God is good. Even Yeshua said, why you call me good? Only God is good. When that young rich ruler said, good teacher, 
No, only God is good, the Spirit of God in its pure form. You said, well, was Yeshua not good? Well, no, Yeshua was good, but the human form is not. It is a fallen state. It has disease. It is fading away. Metabolism, all those processes slowing down, it's not good. It's under a curse. So coming to Yeshua saying, good teacher, well, no, only God is good. But he wants to make you good. And that takes more than a lifetime, really. And it's not going to happen on this side of eternity because, well, you can't really clean a pig while it's still wallowing in the mud. You have to take it out of the mud first before you can really clean it because while you clean it, it's still in the mud. It's going to get dirty again. And we are in that mud, what we call our society, this planet Earth in this modern age with the system of the Antichrist that defiles us. 24-7 from all angles, whether it's music, whether it's billboards, ads, television, culture, politics, everywhere you go, you see wickedness and evil. And by the very definition of seeing evil, you know evil. Once you see, it's imprinted on your mind. You think about it. You are no longer pure because you cannot control your thoughts. It is bigger than us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is bigger than that. <laughs> it's kind of like when you face your bully in school and the bully is bigger than you. The only way you can get over that bully is to get a bigger bully on your side to fight that bully. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. You get a bigger bully than the bully who bullies you. And with the Holy Spirit together, you're fighting the sin in your life the wickedness in your heart. And we all have it. We're born in it. But it's not going to happen here because, well, we, steep, we keep getting defiled as we get healed. We get exposed. We hear a certain word. We see things. It's all over the place. Sexual immorality. The consciousness of sin is all around us. But God wants to help you because He loves you. What's in it for Him? Well, nothing really. And I say that again, nothing really, because, well, we are nothing. We are actually less than nothing. But God can bring something out of nothing. After all, he did make this universe, energy, matter, out of nothing. But then again, is it really nothing? Because God's spirit is not nothing. God's spirit is everything. So technically speaking, he brought something out of everything. Huh. Well, that's another rabbit hole that I'm not going to get into because, you know, it's a rabbit hole, an infinite one, too complex that we cannot even comprehend or begin to understand, and neither can I. <laughs> but the point being is trust, trust. You have to trust in the Lord or he cannot help you. No one can help you unless you trust them. That person comes to you, I want to help you. Why? See, if you do not trust him, you do not do what he says, then how can you be healed? You go to the doctor, he tells you, do this, don't do that. You do not trust him, you're not going to follow his instructions. Why would you? You don't trust him. If you do not trust God, you'll never do what he says. You'll start doubting, you'll start thinking you know better, or you're going to go to Google and start looking for an alternative solution. And it doesn't really make sense. 
you know, think about it. Let's say you have some vehicle, first time on the market, something very futuristic, something new, nobody has ever seen it before. And you want to know how to maintain it well. You want to know all the properties, all the functions. You have some issues with the engine or whatever. And you really have two choices. You can either go to some mechanic, you know, just anyone and everyone, Joe around the corner, he knows his cars. He's never seen this model before. He didn't create it. He hasn't seen the schematics of it, but he can look around, you know, and kind of make some speculations, assumptions, and give you advice based on his own opinion. And that's what most of you do. You go to rabbis and pastors that don't even follow the word of God, the Talmud, Kabbalah, Zohar, all of that stuff, Christian authors. Or you can go to the manufacturer who actually knows the vehicle because he designed it. He made it. He implemented all the functions. He knows the best maintenance. He knows how to take care of it, how to fix it, how to clean it, what it can do. He knows everything about it because it's his creation. And the manufacturer is God. But so few of you actually go to God. You'd rather go to some mechanic down the street, to some second-hand garage, aftermarket parts, some Chinese ripoff. And for no good reason. You see, you think it's cheaper because you're using that car analogy, but when you buy something cheaper, you know it's going to break after two minutes. <laughs> I had some aftermarket engine mounts in one of my cars in the past. And then one day I was on the freeway and the engine fell off. Literally, the engine fell on the freeway because those mounts broke because there were some Chinese ripoff. They weren't originals from the manufacturer. And it's the same principle here. You go to your therapists, to your shrinks, to your motivational speakers, to your self-improvement section in Barnes and Nobles, to your meditations, to your imams, to your yoga, whatever you, you do. <laughs> you all do something different and yet you're all doing the same because you're all not going to the source. And then you wonder why it doesn't work. But the real problem is that some of you actually think it does work. Because for a moment, you feel a little better. For a season, you're a little happier. You have some peace of mind. You've been able to meditate. But wait, there's more. It ain't over yet. You might think you're doing well now, but just wait. And even if you die happy, there's still judgment. The soul is eternal. It doesn't end on this side of earth, on this side of life. So you really have no idea, is it really good for you? Who do you trust? Do you trust a man? Someone just like you? Someone born here on this planet? Been alive for 80 years at, at max? I mean, uh, how many people do you know over 80? Let's say 9 years? <laughs> you trust someone who's been here 9 years, not even a century. And you put your life in their hands. Why? Why don't you trust the one who created life? The one who authored life? The one who designed life. He knows the schematics. He has the blueprints. And he actually wants to help you. He wants to get you to a better position. He wants to heal your heart. Heal your mind. Heal your body. Heal your soul. But you are unwilling. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How long have I wanted to gather you as a hen gathering her chicks? But you were unwilling. And that's the problem. 
God loves you, we know that. But really, he loves himself in you. But you reject him, and therefore you reject yourself. And you can't be mad about it. If you sit in the dark, I ask if you want light, you say no. Well, you automatically chose darkness, since you rejected the light. If you're dead, I offer you life, you say no. Well, you chose death. <laughs> God is life. You rejected him, therefore you rejected life. Hence, choosing death. Really as simple as that, there's not much to it. That's it. You chose to die, and that's your choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve and love the Lord. Hallelujah.